In today's episode of Teaching in Higher Ed, number 128, Bonnie Stahoviak shares about her experience at the Online Learning Consortium Conference. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. All right, Bonnie, how'd I do? You did fabulous, but I wonder if people are confused. Who are you? <laughs> who is this crazy person who's taken over your podcast? For those of you who are listening for the first time, usually you hear my voice in the beginning, but this is Bonnie Stahoviak, normally the host of Teaching in Higher Ed, and I am all the way out in Orlando, Florida. And it's always better to have the person who's hardwired to the recorder who gets the best sound being the host of the show. And so I decided, why not have... The person that I'm married to that I completely love and trust in terms of being not just a podcast host, but, you know, father of our children, you know, all those good things. Yeah, just those minor details. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who has been on episodes before, but it's been a while. It has been a while. I'm so glad to be back on the show. And I'm anxious to hear because you and I haven't really talked much this week. And I'm anxious to hear about what you've been up to and where you're at and what you're doing and why you aren't home helping me care for our children. Who have been adorable all week. So it's actually been so much fun to hang out with them. But uh, yeah, so tell us about where you're at and the conference and uh, what's uh, what's going on. I'm at the Online Learning Consortium's conference. It's called the OLC Accelerate Conference. And again, out here in Orlando, Florida. And there are about 2,000 attendees. It's actually just wrapping up just uh, today, Friday, November 18th. And many people are now headed home. And what kind of folks are at this conference and what are the kinds of things that are being talked about? It brings together a lot of different people. Sometimes it's people who are in instructional design roles or faculty development roles. There are some professors here, although actually I met fewer professors than perhaps I intended on meeting. And of course, people that work for all different types of institutions, everything from small four-year private schools like the one that I teach at all the way up to the really big ones and everything in between. You uh, aired a show last week where you went over the um, the main talk you were giving at the conference this week, um, but I know you were doing two other panels, am I remembering correctly? And I was wondering if maybe you could share something of that, of uh, what was discussed and uh, what conversation was had. Well, the first panel that I was on, they decided to give an overview of each one of the tracks. They don't call them tracks. They call them strands. And because instead of tracks where you think about going down the same track, they think of it as a strand of thread, maybe 10 different sessions from different strands and, and learn about different themes. And they decided to give an overview of each one of the strands and have some of the presenters go and share a little bit about what their sessions were going to be like. And I guess they selected a best in strand presentation from each one of those. And we got to hear from those people as well that were on the panel. I was part of a panel of three for the strand 
on learning effectiveness. And you also did a panel, am I remembering, I saw a tweet of you with a number of other podcasters. Was there a podcasting panel too? Yeah, this was the largest attended session that that I was a part of as either as a presenter or on the panel. And it was really great fun to be connected with five other, besides myself, five other podcasters who are all doing something a little bit different. I wrote a little bit about it for my Institute of Faculty Development blog at at our institution and was writing about it's really everything from the spectrum of there's a few women who host a podcast. It's, It's actually more like a YouTube live streaming session that they only just last week decided to throw a feed up to iTunes with just the audio. But they're called Women Who Wine in Education. And that is not W-H-I-N-E, but it's W-I-N-E. And they get together over a glass of wine and go up to the YouTube live streaming channel and just hit record and whatever happens, happens. And so that would be some of the more informal type of podcast. There's also some podcasters who I loved getting to meet in person who are experimenting with Periscope, which is the live video streaming service that Twitter recently bought out, and all the way up to the more formally produced podcasts, like our podcast, Teaching in Higher Ed, as well as Katie Linder's Research in Action podcast. And she and I were definitely more on the formality as having show notes for every episode and having a little bit more planned conversations, that type of thing, a little bit more of a structured format. One of the things that's um, always interesting to me whenever I go to conference is just what uh, what shapes my worldview, both what are highlights and what are you know maybe things that are unexpected that come out of a conference, but also what what you leave thinking or doing differently than you did before you got there. Um, so I'm curious, maybe starting off first with what are some of the highlights from your experience over the last few days? There were a couple of them. I know I just talked about the podcast panel, but I loved getting to connect with them and then also getting to connect with some people that listened to this podcast that came to the session. That was kind of a surreal thing to have one of the women who had come and attended said, and I quote, you've saved my bacon a number of times, Bonnie. She said it's just interesting for her how she'll listen to one of the episodes and somehow the very next week she'll end up having someone ask her about it and she's found it to be a great resource. And it was just great to hear from people and to get a sense. Some of the people came because they wanted to start podcasts of their own. And then others just came again because they listened to the various shows and wanted to connect with us and hear from us. And I just loved that. It was just great because when we're doing podcasts, you have a podcast too, of course, Dave, it's much more of a one-to-many kind of conversation. And it's not too often that we get to hear back, although both you and I have communities that we've established outside of just the podcasting format. But it's still just great fun to see people in person and to get to connect that way. And then I really think they do a wonderful job at this conference of having, yes, a very, very big focus on the breadth and depth of what's available. There were so many different, almost too many, if I, if you will, sessions. I think on any one of the strands, there were between 30 and 40 breakouts that you could choose from. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they're also, they had a technology test kitchen and there were two ways you could play in there. You could go and they have a whole process that's built around design thinking. And you go and they have tables that are set up with Play-Doh and sticky notes and 
all different kinds of toys that you could kind of play with a little bit as you're conceptualizing ideas. And then a big magnetic whiteboard with, I don't know if you've seen those poetry magnetic words where you can arrange them, you know, on your fridge if you actually have a oh, fridge that yeah. magnets attached to. Yeah, I've well, seen they those. had a <laughs> they had it but with instructional design types of words. And they had a whole map of design thinking, creating a recipe, because they're all going off of the theme of a kitchen. Just so how do you create a recipe to solve different challenges that we have in higher ed and specifically in blended learning and online learning? It was just really fun because you could go and not just be talked at, but you could go and talk with people and brainstorm with people. And that's really fun. And then they also did, I've never actually seen one of these shows that's like a I think the one's called Top Chef, the cooking challenge shows, like reality TV, but it's cooking. It sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This, it'll become painfully apparent to our listeners how much chef work we do in the house. (laughs) Yes. Every time Sandy Morgan, our dear friend, comes over, who Dave co-hosts the Ending Human Trafficking podcast with, and she's been on the show before, so if you've been listening for a while, you've already heard of Sandy. But she lived in Greece for more than 10 years and cooks amazing Mediterranean food, and she'll come over and just shake her head at, we, you need to sharpen your knives, you need to sharpen your knives, and I, I think... I've never sharpened a knife. I mean, I think we own a knife sharpener, but I don't think I've ever actually sharpened one. So yes, not a lot of that. But anyway, so they went with the whole reality TV top chef kind of contest idea. And they would have these little contests throughout the conference. And I got to see one of them in action where they presented a challenge to four different teams. And then the four different teams had 15 minutes to come up with what their solution was to the challenge. And I really liked the particular one I got to see because it was all around communication and the different stakeholders in an institution that need to be aware of what's happening with online learning in the institution. And they all had a really different and creative way of approaching that problem. And it was really fun to see. And they, they would mix up vendors who were there with people who were actually working at institutions. And that was also fun to see as well. Fabulous. How about um, low lights? Anything that wasn't as fun or, or, or maybe unexpected? Yeah, probably two themes to this. The first one is certainly no fault of OLC. It was just an interesting juxtaposition. You and I are recording this on Friday, November 18th, and so it's just slightly more than a week after the election results came down and having some conversations with students at my institution and with colleagues and just hearing about some of their fears. And I rec- I had someone just a couple days ago email me about DACA, which is the opportunity that President Obama had put in place for undocumented students to be able to have the ability you know, to go to college and to have work permits and so on. And um, just the fears that people have over that going away. So just this juxtaposition of, of that and not not really being ready to shift over into what sometimes felt to me like more of a commoditized sort of conversation. I mean, and again, it's not their fault. I don't think that they could have necessarily planned for this, but I I wanted to be engaging in conversations about some of the underserved populations in higher ed, 
I and 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 I didn't see as many sessions, but maybe I didn't look hard enough, you know. But but just just the idea of um, if I'd go into the vendor hall, it just felt a little bit too much of you know here's the latest and greatest, and it felt like you know you go into Costco and they have one of those seven hundred dollar blenders, you know. And I think like we can never afford the seven hundred dollar blender at our institution, and I don't know how relevant a conversation with you is going to be, you know, that kind of thing. So it was just no. an interesting sort of juxtaposition. And I talked about the depth and breadth of what's available as a real highlight to me, but it also was a little bit of a detractor because it just felt like I was at this huge buffet of food and it's too much, you know, and then I sort of don't want it to go to waste too. And I want to find more ways where we can take what we're learning and actually think about how we could put it into action at our institutions. And, and it just felt like too much, I guess, for me, for just where I was at that moment. Yeah. 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 I, I can <laughs> see that being just in the context of the news and everything going on that a hard thing to navigate around and plan for, like you said, not something that could have been controlled necessarily. And then the other thing that came up, and this came up a little bit on Twitter, there was a keynote speaker from a organization called Minerva. And there are actually three different parts of Minerva. There's Minerva Schools, that is actually the framework that he was describing. It's it's a university. I'll talk about it in just a second. But there are there's Minerva, I forgot what the second piece of it is, but then there's also the, the first two that I'm mentioning are nonprofit entities, but the last one is an LLC, and they're set up to take their proprietary tools and actually perhaps then sell them to other institutions and make them uh, more scalable and um, replicate them at other institutions. So they have like intellectual property that they're starting to look at selling. But anyway, so he spoke and he started his talk out by describing this amazing framework that they have for their school where they have zero lectures. They, it's all about more of a active learning type of approach. And he demonstrated their, their software and their system that they use to perform this type of service and, you know, this educational approach for their students. But he started out by saying, we don't allow lectures, but yet I'm going to lecture to you for the next 45 minutes. And it was just, I oh, kind of thought, interesting. you know, I mean, I realized that you, you couldn't necessarily replicate because they have a class cap of 19, no classes are more than 19 students. And by the way, people should definitely go and look at Minerva's website. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can go look at it. I'm not even doing it justice. It's absolutely an incredible educational model. And I had some friends and colleagues who had gone to the EduCause conference and had been able to hear from him then. So it's neat, you know, just two weeks later to be able to hear from him and, and get a sense of why they came back to our institution very energized by what he had to say. But just this incongruence of so many of the presenters that I had a chance to see where it is just a traditional lecture format. And I thought, you know, we're at a technology conference and why are people not asking me to pull out my phone and participate in polls or do something that involves a technology that it was funny because my session actually did that. I, I And I talked about that in last week's episode. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, take out your phones. And it was so refreshing to say to the room full of people. Oh, by the way, the room's not full of people. <laughs> to the people who were in the room. <laughs> Let's rephrase that. 
uh, pull out your phones and go to this website and type in this code and no one had any problems at all. You know, that was kind of a refreshing change from when I do that at my institution. It's sometimes, you know, a, a broader type of person comes and so you have people that have more difficulty operating their phones than at a tech conference of course at an educational technology conference but anyway I just found it interesting that there was this incongruence two ways really just one with not having the kind of involvement that I would have expected in the sessions and then two not having the presentation materials, the PowerPoints and such to really be designed the way that I've come to understand is most effective when delivering online. And that's to have less text, less bullets and more images. And I saw a lot of text and a lot of bullets still and having people reading off of screens as opposed to the audience reading off of screens as opposed to just coming up with a visual that would convey that. And we've talked about this on episodes before, but for anyone that wants to explore this a little bit more, Slideology by Nancy Duarte is a phenomenal cure for what I'm describing. Agreed. That's uh, such a great book. And there's still, as much as you and I think about the power of good facilitation, instruction, and training, and uh, probably a lot of it's informed by our our, our uh, experience in the training industries, it's uh, there's still so much more to do in higher education of bringing that into a lot of classrooms. So I feel your pain around this, and at the same time, I'm also thinking like you know, it's a it's a really important, it's a good opportunity for us to have probably even more conversations about that on on both of our podcasts. Last week, there was a lot of Twitter flurry about another conference called the Open Ed Conference. And there was some celebration about the fact that at least one of the sessions had involved students who were presenting, but there was also lamenting that there hadn't been more student involvement. And there was this call for don't ever go to a conference and without bringing students with you, though they should be an integral part of the conversation. And that was certainly front and center in my mind as I thought, you know, there just felt sometimes like there was just too great of a distance between our students. I don't want to go to a session and not hear about students and their experience and their learning. And it, it just felt like sometimes there was too much of a distance between those things. But again, I might just be in a weird place and I might be a little jaded at the moment. It's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough. Yeah. Well, that that actually might be a good transition into our recommendations if you're ready, unless you have something else to share on the conference. I'm ready to go. Thanks. Well, the reason I was thinking about that is because I was actually going to bring up the election as well. And I was, you know, I think that so many of us have been really captivated, both in good and bad ways, over the last few weeks with everything that's gone on with politics and news in, in our country here in the States. And I know people around the world have been following it as well. And I think about Stephen Covey's model. Um, Stephen Covey's the, uh, you know, the really well-known author from uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of my favorite all-time books. And he talks about the distinction between, um, for each of us, our circle of concern and then uh, a concentric circle inside of that, that's smaller, called our circle of influence. And the circle of concern, of course, is all the things going on in the world, politics, news, presidential elections, sports, um, the things that you know, rightfully so we're concerned about, we want to know about what's happening. Um, and yet we don't have a lot of direct influence over at least ourselves, uh, at least most of us. And our circle of influence is the things that 
are, are that's a smaller circle, but it's the things that we have more direct control over in our lives. And if not control, at least we are able to influence the outcome, not only for ourselves, but for the people around us and our families and our communities and our classrooms. And I think me, like a lot of other people, have spent a lot more time than we'd like to in the last couple of weeks in the circle of concern of thinking about all the things that are going on in the world and what does the news mean for all of us and the work we're all trying to do. And I've, I've been reminded that uh, you know that's a natural human reaction when there's big world events that happen. Um, but I'm I'm reminded of the importance of getting back to the circle of influence. And Bonnie, you know this, and some of uh, your listeners know this. Uh, over the last three years, um, our parent company, Innovate Learning, has uh, affiliated with uh, one of the folks who's a great leader on uh, in helping leaders to develop their skills, named Michael Hyatt. He has a podcast as well. I know some of uh, your listeners listen to him too. And um, he's been doing a course over the last several years to help people to do annual planning. And we've affiliated with him again this year, and he's offering a free ebook titled Achieve What Matters Most in 2017 to get people thinking about how do you start putting together your annual plan in order to be more effective going into the new year of really zeroing in on that circle of influence. And so um, if that is something that sounds of interest to you, you can get access to it at a link on my website at coachingforleaders.com slash best 2017. And I think that um, it's a good starting point for uh, getting, uh, starting to think about how do we really zero in on that circle of influence and be able to then grow that circle of influence. I think I left that piece out, by the way. If you do a better job of staying in the circle of influence, your circle of influence gets bigger. And so I think that's one of the key things that I, I always try to remember when I have any time of frustration in my life is like, okay, what can I, how can I focus on things I can really have influence over? Because that's going to ultimately help me to uh, be more valuable to other people. So that's my recommendation for this episode. I was talking about earlier the juxtapositions that I was experiencing and one that I didn't mention, but I will now was how I started my travel on the way out from Southern California out to Florida. First of all, Dave's parents had graciously used their frequent flyer miles to upgrade me to like, it's business class, but in a Dave explained to me that in a plane like I was on, that pretty much that's default for first class. So I'm in the second row of the plane in a very luxurious seat with all kinds of delightful concoctions being brought to me at everyone's beck and call. And I take that as the perfect time to read, finally read Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me, mm. which if you're not familiar with it, he is an African-American father who writes this book as a letter to his African-American son. And let's just say that it was rather interesting to be sitting in first class and just to top it all off, served on at least the last half of my trip by an all-African-American female <laughs> Um, set of flight attendants. <laughs> and I mean, they couldn't see what I was reading, by the way, that would have made it perhaps, I don't know, maybe it would have opened up conversation or I, I don't know if it would have been awkward or not, but it was on the Kindle. And it's just a beautifully written, heartbreaking, important read for us to be reading, but it was interesting timing to be doing that. And I, I've read actually two books on the flight out uh, and I, of totally different <laughs> veins, Sarah Rose Kavanaugh, who is 
has written a book that's part of a series that James Lang is the editor for. And her book is called The Spark of Learning, Energizing the College Classroom with the Science of Emotion. And it's a wonderful book. I'm so excited. We're already scheduled to have an interview together in December. I'm not sure when that episode will air, but feel free to email me with any questions that you want to ask her about emotion in learning, energizing the college classroom with the science of emotion. It was a wonderful book. It is rich with practical ideas that we can put into place, but it's also a quick read. So it doesn't, you know, it's not something that is going to take weeks and weeks to read. I just really, it was a funny juxtaposition (laughs) reading those things sitting in first class, but I I totally recommend both of them. And then my last recommendation is just to put the, the, top on the strange juxtapositions. As Dave knows, the last time that he and I traveled, we took a trip with the kids to Chicago. It was over the summer, right? We went to a podcasting conference. Yeah, yeah, and, the specimen. And for that, because the kids were traveling with us, we had my large suitcase and then my smaller, I guess, medium-sized suitcase or whatever, both the wheeling kind. And on the same trip, the wheels just came apart on all of them. They literally just turned into, they looked like Flintstone wheels because they were just like, you'd try to roll them and they just were sort of almost turning into shapes of a square or a rectangle. It was really, really funny. But yeah, what is the chances of that, that the wheels on the same exact trip just completely give out? (laughs) It was like, we're done. You've had us for too many years. It's time for you to get a new suitcase. And so one thing I want to recommend is called the Wire Cutter website. And the wire cutter is what Dave and I use a lot of the time when we're not sure what is the best such and such to buy. I think, Dave, you looked for our washer and dryer set on the wire cutter, if I'm not mistaken. I did. And I bought a headset recently from the wire cutter. And it's a really, it's hard to describe. It's I guess it's like a, it's a curated site where it, it just basically, they go out and they find the best of whatever it is you're looking for. So if you're looking for a set of headphones or a TV, they just they've gone and done all the research and they say, here's the best and here's the second best. And, uh, and uh, they just got purchased by, I think the New York times. Am I remembering that right? I don't remember who it was, but I think you're right. They did get purchased by someone. It's been such a successful site. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's exciting. And unlike consumer reports, which used to be my go-to, my perception is that they've kept up a little bit more on the tech side and consumer reports kept up with their model of a pay to view type of a service, a publication versus the wire cutter makes their money by, Oh, here's the best suitcase. And by the way, here's a link to buy it on Amazon where we're going to make a cut of your purchase, for example. So that their model was a little bit more current, I think for today's times. And of course, I'm not necessarily interested in purchasing a subscription to something like that until the very time when I need it. And I don't mind that they get the referral. So anyway, I recommend the Wirecutter website. And off of that, I did find a wonderful suitcase. And Dave, it was hysterical because the kids, first of all, it's one of those spinner suitcases you want to excite your kids just put them in front of a (laughs) suitcase that thing is going to provide years of entertainment i am sure of it it's hysterical they really absolutely loved it and so it's the travel pro platinum magna 25 inch express and i loved the review that they had on their website about it and now here i am having taken a you know, half of a trip and everything's going great and it's a great suitcase and I suspect I will have it for years to come. 
So you went from your suitcase falling apart on the last trip, sitting in the last uh, row of the airplane, to uh, <laughs> this beautiful first-class, uh, great new suitcase experience this time. Now you just need a knife sharpening set, and you're gonna be you're gonna be all set. <laughs> I'm gonna go on the wire cutter see if we can find ourselves a good knife sharpening. Except set. that we have a knife sharpener somewhere. I just have no idea where it is. We have an interesting kitchen kitchen situation. <laughs> <laughs> see, it's see, it's uh, it's now now we have all so many everything's coming back to kitchens in this episode. This is going to be the kitchen episode for for yes. uh, for whatever reason. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, let's uh, let's say goodbye to folks. And uh, Bonnie, you want to give folks a heads up on what's coming on um, future episodes? Yeah, do you know? <laughs> well, there's an episode with Bill Doctrum that's coming, who's oh, someone I admire great. greatly, talking about mentoring. The upcoming episode. Fabulous. And of course, uh, we hope you'll go on to the teachinginhighered.com website and to subscribe to the weekly update. Bonnie sends out an article each week along with the show notes that comes on Wednesdays. And you also get access to the free ebook, too, right, Bonnie? That's correct. 19 tools to help you use technology in your teaching and for greater productivity. And that's at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe, right? That'll do it. All right. See, I'm, 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 I'm finding my way as the teaching and higher ed host, <laughs> standard host. <laughs> well, thanks so uh, much for listening, everyone. Thanks. Uh, thanks for letting me do this. Uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks, Dave.